And we are here on the Golf Dudes Podcast, and we are delighted to be joined by one of the greatest URI golfers of all time. Uh, and he's currently a pro, grinding away on the mini tours, uh, Chris Francoeur. Chris, thanks so much for uh, taking a few minutes to uh, talk to us today. Of course, yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you turn pro. You're one of the 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 contingent of pros from from Rhode Island uh, uh, with Will Dixon and obviously Davis Chatfield and obviously Patrick Wallace soon to come. Uh, and you're uh, grinding away on the mini tours. You had a second place finish at the Tampa Open on uh, the 13th in the minor league golf tour event. Uh, just talk about what that's been like so far as a, as a pro. You know, it's interesting. Davis did an interview uh, on a different podcast and it was funny, but he was also serious. He said the challenge is when you become a pro golfer, you just wake up one day and turn pro, and then you got to figure out you know what to do. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. What, I mean, that's what has that been like so far for you? For your for you, it's been good. I mean, this winter, um, like I, like you said, I've just been grinding on my game and playing in some of these mini tour events just to just to get some comp, uh, competitive juices going. Uh, you know, going into some of those Monday qualifiers and then Q School coming up in uh, in April. So um yeah i mean the pro life's been pretty good so far um you know i'm playing golf for a living so i can't really complain when you play these mini tour events obviously you know like the the goal for you guys is to win right you're playing to win you want to get that big check right as big as it as it whatever it is um but did you do you take some level of confidence away from those two tournaments that you played so far even though obviously you didn't get w's uh, do you take some level of confidence that knowing, Hey, I can, you know, I can, I can play with these guys. I can, yeah. you know, I can be out here. Is that a thing? Is that a thing? Or are you just going straight for straight for the wins? Yeah, I, know for like sure. the balance, I mean, yeah. I mean, a lot of these mini tour events, they're, they're one to two days. So, you know, you kind of have to tell yourself going into it, you have to go low and then to, you know, be able to perform and have a couple of good finishes. Um, yeah, it definitely gives me some confidence. Uh, absolutely. Uh, so we'll get back into the pro stuff um in, in a bit because i do think you know the, the mini tours is in these mini tours have been something that i've been learning about um as well not really knowing about it previously because never covered anybody on the mini tours you never really hear about them so i'm trying to draw some bring some attention to them uh but i as i mentioned off the top you're one of the great uh uri golfers of all time uh greg burke i had him on my podcast uh, a, a month or two ago for the college golf series. He obviously spoke highly of you and everything that you've meant to him and to the URI program. Uh, reflect on your time at URI. I mean, what, you know, what was that like for you? You know, the experiences that you got, obviously you, you won a number of tournaments. Uh, you were, you know, at the top of the top of the leaderboard. Uh, talk about your time at URI and how much it meant to you to play there and, and uh, what that means to you. Yeah. I mean, those four years at Rhode Island were awesome. I mean, it was a unique experience because of my last two years, the whole COVID thing. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that brought me super close with all my teammates. Not, I mean, we were close anyway, but, you know, all going through that together. And, you know, it, it really taught us all how to be, how to be gritty. Like we, we didn't really have a golf course to practice at because of COVID, you know, like the weather's not great. So it, it really brought us all together. Like we were always finding ways to get better. Um, pushing each other to get better so i mean honestly i would definitely not be where i am today um without those four years at rhode island your relationship with coach burke uh you know he 
he spoke obviously highly of you and everything that you've met. So talk about that relationship. How important is that relationship uh, to you? Obviously, to, or how, how important was it? How important is it? Uh, and what was that relationship like? No, oh, he was great. I mean, he was almost like a second father to me while I was there. Um, you know, we're still super close to this day. Um, I talk to him all the time. I, I try and go back and visit Rhode Island um, <clears throat> whenever I get back home. Um, so, yeah, he's been great. Um, yeah, like I said, super close with him. He's a good golf coach. Um, you know, I wouldn't change a thing when I was there. So it was great. Now, you, you mentioned COVID. Everybody got an extra COVID year. Uh, mm-hmm. and you used it to go to Louisville for one year. Uh, similar to how all these college basketball players usually get to <clears throat> go all all different places, uh, and it happens in golf as well. Uh, the decisions go to Louisville. What what was that like, and what did you learn from going to Louisville for that one year? Yeah, so we'll rewind a little bit. Um, yeah, I actually my intention was to just turn pro after going to Rhode Island, um, but after talking with Coach Burke, he he kind of pushed me to to look at you know, going somewhere else to kind of develop my game a little more. So I can and credit that to him for kind of convincing me to, to look elsewhere too. I mean, I'm sure he would have loved to have kept me for another year, but um, yeah, he helped me a lot in that process. And then, you know, the whole transfer portal thing, I uh, entered the portal and uh, was in contact with um, the assistant coach at Louisville, uh, Matt Werdeke. Um, You know, we, we developed a relationship pretty quickly and, um, I thought it was a no brainer for what they were looking for and what I was looking for. You know, it, it seemed like it was going to work out really well. So that's how I made my decision to go there. Um, yeah, when I got there immediately, I, you know, had a really good relationship with all the guys on the team and the coaches and it was just the perfect fit. So it was great. Um, you know, taking college golf to the next level, um, you know, you're playing against the best kids in college golf and a really good schedule, you know, competing for a national championship. So it was, it was awesome. I, I wouldn't change a thing there either. When you, when you leave Louisville, when you get done with college, were you, was your intent or was there any thought to turning pro right away? Or were you always going to play kind of that one last amateur circuit? Cause I know you, obviously we'll get to the U S amateur in a second, but I know you played in the Northeast amateur uh, and you played a number of other tournaments as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that your, was your intention or was there a thought to turn pro immediately? Yeah, I was, I was always a little back and forth on it, you know, going through last spring, trying to figure out what I was going to do. Um, they came up with that elite amateur series, um, yeah. like circuit. And mm-hmm. I was into all, I was into all those events. Um, if I did choose to stay an amateur. Um, but the one thing I really wanted to do, um, was try and compete for a U.S. amateur, which I, I had never done. Um, thankfully I got in this year. Um, so I'm glad it all worked out that way. I wasn't really in a rush to turn pro. Um, I wanted to play in all these big amateur events because, I mean, th- I think the one I had only played in was the Northeast. So I wanted to, you know, get used to traveling more, get used to, you know, still playing against the higher level of competition. So I definitely wasn't in a rush to turn pro. And uh, I think I think the way I did it was, was a good way to go. Yeah, you know, you, like you said, you made it to the U.S. Amateur. You make it to the round of 32. Uh, obviously, there's two rounds of qualifying. I had, we had a couple of Ryan guys in there, as well as you, uh, and they said the course was playing really tough uh, that we the Ridgewood, uh, I think Ridgewood Country Club in New Jersey, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah. Talk about that experience. Obviously, like you said, like I said, you made a run, uh, and that's what you wanted to do. Uh, what, what was that whole week like at the U.S. Amateur? 
Yeah, honestly, it was probably the week where I played the most freed up golf I've ever played because I knew it was my last amateur event. Um, went in with really low expectations. Um, obviously, I I wanted to win, but um, you know, I was definitely wasn't expecting to be uh to be leading after the first round, which was which was great. Even though like the stroke play medals doesn't get you anything, but uh, mm-hmm. I learned a lot from that second round. You know, not playing so well, um, hovering around the cut line, but fortunately still made it in. Um, but yeah, that week was awesome. I mean, I had my dad on the bag, my whole family was there, uh, cheering me on. So, I mean, really good way to end my amateur golf career. So that was, that was a really, really fun week. Now you were, you were turning pro anyways, obviously, but then making that little bit of a run and playing pretty well, like you said, overall at the amateur, did that give you extra confidence and that your decision to turn pro was right? Did you get some extra confidence from that week? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I always knew that, um, that I was a good player, but I had never really had the, you know, the national exposure to kind of back it, back it up. Um, I played decent over the summer in those, uh, in those amateur events. I think I had a good finish at the Western, but other than that, I kind of had some, you know, middle of the pack finishes. So to be able to make a pretty good run at the USAM, especially right before turning pro, um, definitely kind of gave me some validation that, you know, the, the game was there and I just, just had to keep working on the right things. Now, after the U.S. Amateur, obviously, uh, all eyes were on, on Q School, which is something that, and we talked briefly before we started recording here, uh, that I'm fascinated in with uh, just, you know, the intensity of it, how it all works. So you do pre-qualifying in Nebraska, then you go to Ohio, and then New Mexico. Uh, talk about, try to take people inside Q School if you can. I mean, obviously, people know about it, partly because of mm-hmm. our reporting. Um, I certainly knew about it before, but never really understood it necessarily. Um, I think you play Q School in one of the old Tiger Woods video games. And that's how, yeah. that's your, that's my first impression <clears throat> of Q School. And obviously that's not exactly what it's like, but uh, right. if you can't take people inside Q School, what what's it like, the intensity of it? What's a, what's a week like? The, the whole thing, take people right inside with us, with you. Yeah, I think it's, it's a lot more than people realize. Um, so I, th- I think it might have been like 10 years ago. They got rid of the PGA Tour Q school. So now it's only, it's, it's mm-hmm. corn for a Q school. And then you have, you know, some Q schools for. But uh, they're actually, they're actually bringing it. Door. They're bringing PGA Tour Q school back. Right. It's, I think it's, it's like top brilliant. five and top yeah. five and corn Ferry go to the straight to the PGA Tour, which is, which is great. I mean, extra yeah. incentive for some guys, but. um. Yeah. So anyway, continue. Sorry. I yeah. So, so corn Ferry Q school used, um, being my first time I had to go to pre-qualifying. So. There's pre-qualifying, first stage, second stage, final stage. Um, you got, I mean, Davis made it all the way through. That's that's basically what you have to do. Uh, you make it to final stage. You you technically you get your card, but when you get to final stages, that's when you're playing for your starts. So um, it's a it's a long a long process. I think I started in August, and I mean I made it made it to second stage, which is it was like middle of October. So it's it's a long, it's a long process. The, the weeks in between, you know, you're kind of just, you're just trying to keep grinding to keep your game where it's at. Cause I mean, pre Q and first stage, I was playing really solid. So, you know, a lot of the qualifiers they are spread out over a couple of weeks. There's, you know, the first two sites for first stage will be this week. And then you go, you got another week for the next two sites. So there's a lot of time in between. Um, but yeah, you know, you're just trying to 
trying to play as good as you can. And then in between rounds when you're there, just, just try to get off your feet and get your mind right. So that's the biggest thing is, you know, just, just getting your mind right. You can kind of drive yourself crazy in between rounds if you're not careful. So you just really got to be mindful of, of what you're doing and just keep the pedal down. Well, they say golf is mostly a mental game anyway, right? Uh, Absolutely. Um, so in when you're in these cues rounds, when you're in the middle of a round, uh, you know, how uh, how aware are you of where you are? How aware are you of what you need to do? Like, is that something that's that you're constantly looking at? Or do you kind of put the leaderboard away for the first few rounds and just play? Or how does that what's, – what's the balance there? Yeah, I usually try to try to keep the leaderboard tucked away. Um, I think that's just one extra thing to to think about, and it's it's really not. I wouldn't say it's not worth it, but you know, you can just trying to think of different scenarios that can happen, and kind of kind of will sway you away from uh, from your game and what you're trying to do out there. So I'll look at the scores in between rounds, but while I'm on the course, I I don't really look at the leaderboards unless you know you're playing in a tournament and there's a giant leaderboard right in front of you. So. Um, if it's there, I'll I'll look at it. But if if I have to go on my phone and look at a leaderboard, I I usually won't do it during a round. Is that your attitude now as a pro playing these mentor events? Do you have that same strategy, or did it, did it change? Yeah, even more in pro golf. Like, you know, no matter what the weather is, what the conditions are, the, what the golf course is, somebody's always going to go low, and you know, you can never make too many birdies. So just try and just try and go out and go as low as you can. That's that's kind of the way I've always looked at it. Now, speaking of making a lot of birdies, uh, back in October, you played Point Judith with a bunch of your URI buddies, and you shot an unbelievable 58 with a bogey, by the way. Uh, yeah. That round, uh, obviously, it was an incredible round. Um, what was that What was that like going through that? Did you know that you were onto something special, or is it one of those things where, like, you get to the last hole and you're like, holy shit, I could shoot something really good here. Yeah, it was know? it was kind of the latter there. I mean, I I didn't have any idea what I was at. I was I don't even think I was conscious. It was crazy. Everybody <laughs> that I know that have that has shot a number like that, they they give a like a I was like blacked out quote. And I mean, it's something you really only experience maybe once or twice in your life. Um I don't know. I, I couldn't, I, I hardly even remember any of the shots that I hit. It was crazy. Um, but yeah, we, we were standing on the 18th tee and I, I looked at the card and I, I think I needed a, I need a par to shoot 59 and uh, 18 at point Judith is a, the par five. You got out of bounds left and the entire golf course to the right. So I just said, don't hit it left. And uh, I was aiming pretty far right there and uh, hit two good shots. Actually, I, I mean, I hit a three wood at the pin that I, I we saw we saw it bounce and then we didn't see it again so I thought I, I thought I hold it out for 56 but we got we got up there and it was like probably 15 feet past the hole but that that was an insane day so I, it's so funny it's so funny that you said that uh and it's not the same but it's similar so Will Dixon uh he played in the Waterloo Open last summer in Iowa uh of all places and he he didn't shoot 59 but he shot he shot like a final round, like 61 or 62 or something crazy. He mm -hmm. won the tournament by like 10 shots, something ridiculous. And so I texted him afterward and I said, were you thinking like 59? Like, did you know? And he said the same thing that you just said. It's like, he's like, I had no idea. He's like, I was trying to win the tournament and make make, right. as, make as many birds as I could. I didn't even realize what I was actually shooting. 
but lo and behold, right. it was close to 59. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Record. It's kind of funny. Um, so I was playing with uh, Bryson Richards and Dawson Jones, two of my really good buddies that I went to Rhode Island with, yeah. um, two, stu- two studs. Um, you know, for the first, like, 15 holes, we were kind of just, you know, just having a good time out there. We were talking over our putts. Like, we weren't focused at all because it was – I hadn't seen them in a while. It was the day after I got back from second stage, actually, unfortunately, because I think I shot, like, one, one under par for the week and didn't get through. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was the most relaxed round of golf, you know, you could have ever played. And uh, thinking back at it a couple of days after, I mean, I was just, I was just putting the ball down and stepping up to these pots and they were all going in. And uh, I don't know. I've thought of that going forward. Like sometimes, you know, that's you, that's when you play your best golf when you're super freed up and, you know, you're not really thinking about the outcome. So that was a really fun day. Absolutely. Usually where I don't care about the round is usually when I, yeah, they hit like good shots and like make putts. Not that not that I'm comparing myself to your level of golf. I stink, but the same thing applies generally speaking. Uh, you did something uh, on your Instagram account, which is a great follow, of course. But you did something on Instagram a bunch of weeks ago. I think I liked every single video that you posted where you played three different balls and you always mm-hmm. you almost have like a competition. Now I don't know if that's yeah. something you do to practice or just something you're doing for fun. Mm-hmm. But I just thought that was kind of neat. What do you get out of doing something like that? And is that kind of a, a way to help you practice different shots, different situations? Uh, yeah, that's that's a lot of my practice is kind of focused around that where um, not necessarily always playing three balls, um, but a lot of times I'll play like a worse ball where, you know, you hit, you hit two shots and you take the worst ball on every single shot. And, you know, you have to, you have to hit, if you're going to make a birdie, you have to make two pots on the green. So it's if you can go low and worse ball, then I've always thought that it's a it's a little bit easier to to just go low on your first ball. Um, so yeah, just just trying to mix up some practice games. Um, I play a lot of games with my roommates here. They're they're all pros too, and we all go out to the golf course together. Um, it's just I think it's more mindful practice rather than you know you just go to the driving range and you beat a bucket of balls and you just throw some balls down to the putting green and hit some pots and then you go play. Um, having a lot more free time now. Um, I think it's easy to get, it's easy to kind of get lost in some long practice days where you're just, you're, you're a little mindless out there. So we've just tried to make it, make it a little more, um, a little more mindful and kind of focus on what we're doing with some games like that, rather than just, you know, going out, you know, just mindlessly messing around. And then, you know, we'll go out and play. We'll have our, we'll do our money games on the course and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I think we've got a good balance to the practice that we're doing. How how has your how has your practice and preparation changed or evolved from the time you were at URI to to now? I mean, how has it? What do you do differently? What do you do the same? Maybe you do it all the same. I, I don't know. Um, how has yeah, it evolved I, over the years? I used to hit a lot of balls and not as many chips and putts. So I I kind of when I got to Louisville, actually, I I kind of uh, I would say more my more my last year at Rhode Island I kind of flipped it around where I worked on putting a ton and you know it you have a putt every single hole on the golf course you know how many how often are you you got a you know full or just like a stock six iron in your hand that you know you hit a hundred of them on the range and then you go on the golf course and you hit one so and it's every hole you're putting and you're chipping so uh that's kind of where I I rotated into doing a lot more of that rather than just you know 
beating seven irons on the range over and over again. Interesting. I mean, practice is just practice is so important, obviously, uh, for for anybody, but especially for you guys. And it's interesting to see how you guys, as pros, you know, practice and and mm-hmm. what people can learn, what people can learn from that. Um, next, what's next for you? Where can people find you? Obviously, we'll we'll continue covering you, obviously, but where can people find you? What what's on the docket for the rest of the the season, month, whatever, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to talk about. So. Yeah, it's been a it's been a quiet month. I, like like you said, all I played in was the the minor league tour event uh, over on the East Coast, and then the Tampa Open. Um, I'm playing in the pre qualifier for the Honda Classic next week, and then it really starts to it really starts to get going after that. I think I got I got a couple other Monday qualifiers, um, a couple more mini tour events down here, and then I'm going out to Scottsdale for uh, for PGA Tour Canada Q School uh, first week of April. So I got it all planned up through then. And then, you know, in between that, just practicing. So I think it's, I'm looking forward to it and hopefully it'll, hopefully it'll go well. Is the hardest part of being a pro having to book your travel? Yeah, that, that was nice in college when, you know, (laughs) food was paid, food was paid for on the road and you didn't have to book any flights. So I actually got to go do that after this. I got to book some flights to Arizona. So I'm sure that'll be, I'm sure that'll be nice and expensive. (laughs) <laughs> probably yeah. um uh, a couple of quick hitters and then we'll get you out of here so you can go book some flights uh obviously you've played a lot of golf you've played a lot of cool courses uh what's your favorite course that you've played so far in your career Ooh, favorite golf course so far mm. Mm. honestly I, i'm a huge shelter harbor fan we played that a lot while I was at Rhode Island and you know, that place is just so cool. Actually, I, I worked there for um, a few months. I think it was fall of 2020 uh, when we didn't have the fall season at Rhode Island. Uh, mm-hmm. I split time caddying there, working bag room, and then they gave us some practice and playing privileges out there, which is awesome. You know, the head pro Dave Tiedemann is, I mean, the nicest guy you could ever meet. Um, everybody there was awesome. Uh, the par three course there. I mean, I said, we, we played that place every single day after work. I mean, that place is just, it's just so awesome. So I'd, I'd have to say that's that shelter Harbor is definitely up there at the top of my list. That's awesome. I'm, I'll, I'll clip that one and send it to them. I'm sure they'll appreciate it. I've only played shelter Harbor once a while ago and uh, it's, it felt like you were playing a video game because everything just looks so, so perfect. There's not a piece of grass out of place. Yeah. So it was like, where are we here? Um, yeah, that place is that place is awesome. Uh, your coolest golf experience, you know, to this point, whether it's as a pro or in college, what what's a cool golf experience that you can tell people about? Uh, I'd have to go with a fifty-eight. How many people can say they shot that? And uh, I hope it all. I hope it happens again. But you know, that's not <laughs> something you can really count on happening again. So I'd have to. I'd have to go with that. Next time, maybe you can just settle for fifty nine. That'd be that's. Fine. <laughs> I yeah, I don't know if the, I don't know if the fifty nine will be disappointing, but I, I, it, 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 it probably it probably won't be. I, I mean, I, I think you'll I think you'll take it. Uh, yeah, I'll take it. Never you, bad day shooting fifty nine. Uh, you have a go to shot, whatever it might be. You can you can say the shot, but mm-hmm. what what club are you pulling? You have a go to shot. You're in a tournament. You need you need the shot. What what club are you pulling? What are you hitting? It's probably just a high cut driver. Just let it rip. 
it's my favorite club in the bag. So, and when I'm driving it well, I'm usually grooving a little fade with it. So, have to go with that. Your best story from being a URI golf star is what? Oof, I got <laughs> a lot of them. Um, <laughs> my best story. I'd have to go my first ever golf tournament at Rhode Island. I, uh, in junior golf in high school, I loved, I loved eating peanut butter crackers, just like the Ritz one. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we're, we're playing at Beth page, my first tournament and coach Burke's like, what are you eating? I was like, there's peanut butter crackers. He's like, never again. You're not eating peanut butter crackers. I, I, apparently he didn't like them. I don't know. It was like, ever since then, I've, I don't think I've ever had a peanut butter cracker on the golf course. And, and if I did, I, I made them myself. It must be something with like, I don't know, something processed in there. So <laughs> that's funny. Um, I was like my first, my first ever round of golf. I was shunned of peanut butter crackers forever. That, that's how your your URI experience started. Uh, yeah, it looks like it worked out pretty well for you though, uh, even without yeah. the peanut butter crackers. Uh, yeah, we have a, a number of kids, as as you might be aware, we have a number of kids that are heading into college. You know, some maybe look to turn pro in, in the future. Uh, your your advice to them would be what if somebody reached out to you and said, hey, Chris, I'm so-and-so at, you know, whatever school, and I'm trying to be a pro. I'm trying, I want to turn pro eventually. You know, I'm trying to, mm -hmm. I'm looking at your path, I'm looking at Davis's path, and I kind of how to get there. What, and they ask you for advice. What, what do you tell them? Yeah, I think one thing I've realized after turning pro is how important the mental side of the game is. I've been doing a ton of, a ton of, like, work off the golf course just, just trying to think better and you know golf is a very mentally tolling game and if you can you know teach yourself how to think out there the right way and you know how to just stay really really mindful of your thoughts and in the present moment um you know because everybody's so good and there's got to be something that separates guys who are where i am versus guys that are you know the number one players in the world guys that are on the pga tour um and a lot of times it's, it's just the mental side of the game. So really focus on that. And just, you know, if you think you're working hard, you know, just remember that always there's somebody always out there working harder than you. So just, just grind it out. Is is the mental side of the game, the biggest challenge of being a pro because so much happens in around, like you said, everyone's going low, everyone's making birdies is the mental side uh, the biggest challenge for not necessarily for you, but just in general, is that what you see out there? hundred percent. I think it's, it's, it's not getting too high when things are going well. And it's, you know, trying not to, not to be down in the dumps when things aren't going well, you know, just trying to stay very even keeled. I think if you look at all the guys who, who are successful in golf, a lot of them are super even keeled. You know, I think Rory McIlroy is a great, a great example. I mean, like he, he just, he's a guy who just gets it. You know, he's, when he's winning a lot, you know, he's still, he's very, he's very grateful for what he has. He's very, still very even keeled. And when he plays bad, you know, he's never really, he's never really showing a lot of emotion and, you know, letting people know that, that he's playing bad. So it's just staying really grounded and, you know, telling yourself that, you know, just because I'm playing, I'm playing great right now, doesn't mean it's going to last. And just because I'm playing poorly right now, that's also not going to last. So just, just trying to be patient and, you know, stay in the moment. That's, it's kind of what I've learned. 
Absolutely. Well, listen, thank you so much for uh, taking a few minutes to talk to me. Really appreciate it. And uh, obviously we'll continue to to cover your, your golf career uh, all the way through. And obviously you have an exciting couple of months uh, coming up for sure. So uh, obviously keep us posted, but uh, thanks so much for your time and, and best of luck to you and the rest of your pro career. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate you having me on.